0: Welcome to the Grove Church podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, good morning, and again, welcome to the Grove Church. If we've not yet met, my name is Christian, I'm the lead pastor here, and today we're wrapping up a series we called One Small Step. You know, Last week, we we really answered this question, how will our small steps matter, right? What's significant about small steps? And this week, I want to look at kind of the other side of that question. Before we we look at that, I was reminded in thinking about this of a time when I I was in high school. In my senior year of high school, I'd moved to Hawaii, and one day during baseball season, some friends said, hey, meet us on Saturday. We're going to go. To Monowilly Falls. Now I didn't know what that was but it sounded fun and so that Saturday morning I, I met them and we piled into the car together and then drove out a little ways and we parked by the side of the road and began to hike through the jungle. Okay and again I didn't know really where we were going or what I was going to find when we got there but when we did as we, as we made our way along this creek there through the jungle eventually it opened up into this place. You can see a picture of it. This is Monowilly Falls and you see people hanging out uh, there up on that rock ledge. There's the, the falls. You can see those and the big swimming pool, this natural swimming pool. And so this is the best kind of hike, right? When you get to end it by swimming, and I was blown away. I thought, this is amazing. Um, and we proceeded to climb up to the top of those falls and, and jump off and had a great time. But I want you to notice, right, you see the person who's flying into the picture from even higher than where the falls are? Well, that person, that, that, the way they were able to do that, jump off of a ledge, there's actually a ledge, it's about 25 to 30 feet higher than the water and it's not easy to get to. In fact, you've got to climb up onto the, the main ledge of those falls and then with bare feet or if you have just the right shoes, maybe you can have those shoes on you, you climb up a series of really small little steps and, and they're so small and, and so hard to navigate that, that I was told before I went up to jump off of that, that, hey, if you're gonna do this, you need to be committed because there really isn't another way down. You, you really Really can't even climb back down the steps that you've you've found because they just don't work that way so once you're up there you're committed you're gonna to have to go all the way and then jump and so I decided alright I'm ready and I did it and it was awesome I loved it okay I know that's not for everybody but I had a great time but here's the thing again as you make your way up and as I was making my way up uh, the issue with those small steps was not to realize that they were significant I knew those small steps really mattered the problem was that taking even those small steps was both difficult and scary. And that's often the situation we find ourselves in. See, we looked last week at why our small steps are significant, but we have to also look at, and that's what I want to see today, is what do we do when we know that our small steps are significant, and yet we find them difficult and or scary, just like those ones that I had trying to make my way up to jump off and into the waters at Monowilly Falls. As we look at this fully, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to go back into Matthew chapter 14 and, and, and look at where we left off with this snapshot of Jesus's ministry, this, this key time in his ministry. But before we pick up where we left off, I want to look back at the feeding of the crowd, that, that story of the feeding of this crowd of 5,000 men, maybe up to 20,000 people all together. And I, I want us to C, I want to point out a vital detail that I didn't really point out last week, but it makes all the difference as we think about walking with God. Okay, so here we are, Proverbs, or not Proverbs, Matthew chapter 14, verse 20. It tells us this. Here's the detail. After they had, they had eaten, everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now, you say, well, yeah, okay, we, we read that last week. I got it. They ate a whole bunch, and there was plenty left over. But here's my question. Let's think about the detail. Why are we told that 12 baskets were collected? Why not just tell us there was plenty left over? I think as I was reading this, studying this, thinking about this, I realized that, that, that this is an important detail. It's a detail that's meant to keep us from losing sight of the disciples As we look at the crowd, right? our eyes are drawn to the crowd to realize, man, there's this huge crowd of people. They all got fed. But God wants us. I believe that Matthew, the the writer here, God used to write this section of Scripture. He wants us to notice the disciples. See, this was Jesus' object lesson to them and to us. And here's the object lesson. He wanted us to understand, first and foremost, what you have there on the listening guide, is that when you follow God's lead, He supplies what you need. Okay, now, I apologize for the rhyme, but I don't want us to miss this. I I, I created that intentionally because I want us to grasp this. I think this is such an important part of walking with God in the context of ministry, right? We talked last week about stepping toward others. And it's important for us to recognize what Jesus wanted to teach the disciples here is that when you follow God's lead, He supplies what you need. Okay, remember, when this all got started, this whole thing got started, it was because the disciples recognized, hey, there's these other people that need to eat. They, they were looking to the interests of others. But in the course of that, then they, they get into this, this really long night of, of passing out all this food. This is thousands of people. And God does this miracle. Jesus does this miracle. He takes the the loaves and the fish and and he he feeds people, right? He creates this food and he feeds them. And so here are the disciples. They're charged with passing this all out and, and making sure that everybody is taken care of. And then what happens at the end? Well, there's leftovers. How many leftovers? 12. How many disciples were there? 12. And I believe and I understand that what Jesus is doing here is letting them know, look, I used you in ministry. I, I, I'm I not used like used you up and threw you away, but, but I, I've involved you in ministry. I called you into this. And this is taxing, but understand that I will supply what you need. Right? They might have been thinking, man, I, I mean, yeah, we want them to eat, but we also wanted to eat. Here they are at the end of a long night and each of those disciples, there's a basket left over. God has more than provided for them. And I don't want us to miss that. I want us to to keep that in mind as we continue to look at how Jesus, because he's teaching his disciples through these situations. He, He has some things in mind that he wants to show them. And again, that he wants to show us. So with this first lesson in mind, that when you follow God's lead, he supplies what you need. Let's see what happens next. It says in verse 22, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds... After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, now here's the point. Okay, We're going to dive in here in a bit into some more of the details of what we just read. But big picture, here's the point, I think, of this story for us, the point that Jesus wanted to make to them in the context, not just of this particular situation, but as he was doing ministry, uh, and teaching these disciples. Here, here's the point. It's that whatever the circumstances of your steps, God is leading you to himself. Okay? Whatever the circumstances of your steps, God is leading you to himself. The destination, wherever you find yourself walking, wherever the steps in following God take you, the ultimate destination is himself. I want us to notice just the, the bookends of this passage here. Right, what was the cause of this whole thing? How did this whole thing get started? Verse 22, it says that he made them leave. He made them get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to wrap up with the, the crowds. I want you, I'm telling you, get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, Jesus knew, most likely, right? He knew the storm was coming. He, he knew what he had in mind here. But he made them get into the boat. And then what's the result of this whole thing, right? He makes them get into the boat, and then this whole thing gets gets going. And what's the ultimate result? The book ends. verse 33. Those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. That's the result here. He, he makes them get in the boat, and ultimately they come to this greater understanding that Jesus, not just their rabbi, he is the Son of God. That is, He is God. He is, he is representing God to them. But not just as somebody who speaks for them. We represent God. We are made in the image of God. But Jesus is, the, is very God. He is God Himself. And that's what they are coming to understand. He, he is, they are using this title. This is the only time that Matthew uses this title to describe Jesus is in this particular story. When he, he recounts what happened there, this is the only time. And so, here are the disciples saying, we see something. You are different. Well, what Jesus was doing was revealing himself to them. He wanted them to understand more and more about who he was. He didn't just want them to see some grand miracle. He wanted them to know him. Whatever the circumstances of your steps, ultimately God is leading you and I to himself. That's his goal. That's his point. We're told in Psalm 16:11. you reveal the path of life to me. This is David speaking. you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. at your right hand are eternal pleasures. You see, with God is the path of life. not just the path to life, it's the path of life. It's where life is found. It's in His presence. That a joy is found. It's at his right hand where we find eternal pleasure. You catch this? This is the kind of life that Jesus is calling his followers into. It's the path of life. It's the path where joy is found. It's the path where eternal pleasures exist. This is different than we often hear the the Christian life described. Or if we hear it described like that, then we think, ah, oh, it's kind of saccharine, right? It's, it's like that too sugary to, be, to actually taste good kind of feel to it. But no, Jesus is calling his disciples, he's calling you and I towards real life, the path of life. That's what he wants us to follow him on. But it's a path that leads us to his right hand, to be by him. He's the, the goal. And so these are two big ideas that I want to, us to keep in mind, right? Where, where he calls us where he, and he, he leads us, he's going to supply for us. And, and whatever the circumstances, whatever, whatever we feel like we're being led this way or that way, ultimately God is leading us to himself. And so with those two things in mind, I want to dive deeper into what takes place here in this account to, to learn two more truths. Two more important truths about the nature of our steps. Practically, then, how does this impact? If we keep those things in mind, God supplying our needs as he calls us toward others, but God also making sure that he's moving us toward himself. These two other important truths about our walking with him. And here's the first one. It's that your steps can never take you somewhere God can't travel. As we follow him, understand that your steps can never take you somewhere that God can't travel. Matthew 24, 14, verse 24. Remember, they're out on the boat. They've been sent out by Jesus, and he's stayed behind, not only to dismiss the crowd, but then to spend time in prayer. It's likely that he's doing that for potentially two reasons. One, because he's grieving. He's heard that his cousin John has been beheaded in the min- because of the ministry of the gospel, in a certain sense. And also because he's about to hit a, a, new, high, a new point of, of ministry, uh, a, a lot going on. Okay? There's a lot about to take place. And so maybe he's, he's coming to God for strength to prepare for this next point in his ministry. But nonetheless, he's taking time out to spend time with God. And then it says that, that he begins to make his way back to him. It says in verse 24, Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. And what happens? Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. This is the Sea of Galilee. I want you to see some pictures. This first one shows where Jesus and his disciples were probably coming from, where they had been. Okay, You see those those mountains off in the distance. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. This is a picture I took. I got to be on the Sea of Galilee, cross over on a boat that was... Probably a little nicer than the one Jesus and his disciples were in, but but got to look back and, and see that side of the sea. And then you see this next picture, which is now, you see, built up. But this is essentially where Jesus and his disciples were headed, the, the other side of the sea, where they were making their way eventually. And, and so there they are in the middle of this sea. It's about a... Uh, about four miles across, I believe, the Sea of Galilee, and they were probably halfway or so. They were, they were a couple miles across. So they're out in the middle of nowhere, right? I mean, they're, we know where. They're in the Sea of Galilee, but, but they're in the middle. And, and here comes Jesus. They're in the middle of the sea, they're, they're, and, 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 and here comes Jesus. But, but remember, not just in the middle of the sea, not just cruising along on these nice little waters. They're in the middle of a storm. It says that they're being battered because the wind was against them, right? When you're in a boat and you're on the sea, the sea itself is not dangerous. You've got the shelter of the boat. But when the wind starts to blow, when the winds come in, that's when things get dangerous. That's the threat. And, And notice this, right? Why are they there? Remember, God put them there. Jesus made them get into the boat and go across at a time when the sea was going, when this storm was going to come. But notice what else? He shows up, and he doesn't stop the storm. The storm is going on, and Jesus is walking on the water, which we'll get to in a second. But, but he's walking not just on water, but water in the middle of the storm. Here's Jesus. He's told them to go and get in this boat, get in the middle of the lake, in the, in the middle of this storm. And now here he comes, but he's not stopping the storm. Instead, he walks into the storm. He, he gets right in the middle of it and he displays his power in a way that his followers never expected. And we ask the question, why? Well, we'll begin to answer that here in a second. But I just want to remind you, I just want us to think about that, right? You and I find ourselves in all kinds of storms. Sometimes it's because we're following God and sometimes we find ourselves in storms because we chose to run from him when he was providing shelter. But either way, We find ourselves in the middle of storms. And whether we want God near or we want to get away from him, the following words of King David in certain ways are true of all of us. I want us to recognize this. He says this, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Right? What he's saying is if you want to be with God, then there's nothing that can separate you from him. And if you're trying to escape from God, there's nothing that will keep, you, keep him from finding you. So when we hear those words, they can either be a great source of comfort or they can be a source of, of terror, really, if not just unsettling. But again, while we can't escape him, don't forget he's leading us to himself, right? There's no place we can go where he can't travel. He wants us to step toward him. But often, the scariest, most difficult steps we will ever take are ones toward God right I just want to acknowledge that and very often the very scariest steps we can take the most difficult steps that we take are those toward God I don't sit and talk about hey we need to walk with God and hey here's a step we could take and, and think these are all easy things or man everybody's just going to be excited to do all this no very often The steps that God calls us to are the scariest, most difficult ones. So there's one last thing that we need to see today to understand the nature of the steps that God calls us to. I want to take a look. Again, let's look back into this story. Pick up in verse 26. It says, When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Right? They didn't know what they were seeing. And so they think, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They're freaked out. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage. It is I. He literally says, I am. Okay? He's, he's helping them be reminded. He's helping them get a glimpse of who he really is. He's hearkening back to the name that God used to reveal himself to Moses. He says, It is I. Don't be afraid. And so here's Peter. He then responds and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, Come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And then it goes on and tells us when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, Matthew includes this account of Peter on the water. Because he wants us to understand something that he learned personally from Jesus. And here it is. Okay, I don't know if he would say it exactly this way, but I I think this is at the heart of what Matthew wants us to understand. And that's this. As you step toward God, he gives courage for your steps. Remember, God wants to lead us to himself. And so as we then take steps towards God, he gives courage for our steps. That is his purpose in us taking steps toward him, is to build courage into us. Now, that sounds nice. Maybe you're, you're tracking, but I want you to really lean in and think for a second what I just said, right? As you step toward God, he gives courage for your steps. Now, think about what we just read. And tell me, does that exactly jive, right? Peter, we think about what had just happened with Peter. Peter doesn't look very courageous here. In fact, what did he do? He chickened out. He he chickened out. He's, He's walking on water and he chickens out. right? Jesus, and then look what else. Jesus addresses him with a single word. It's a word that gets translated into a few words, but it's a single word. It's actually a title. And he calls him this title. He calls him you of little faith. Okay, now. Maybe you've been there where you had a, a nameplate, you had a, a title on a door or on your desk or whatever, or you have a title on your email and you think, what, what if you were sending emails and at the bottom of that email it said, me of little faith, right? Or, or something along those lines. That wouldn't be a title you would really want to display proudly. But here's, that's what Jesus does. At the end of this thing, he calls Peter, you of little faith. And so how can I say that God gives courage with such a seemingly discouraging story? How is, how is that what, Peter, what Matthew's trying to get at? How is that what God wants us to understand? But here's how I think why I think that is true. Let's review the details. Jesus has initiated things. He initiated putting them on the water, and then he initiates by taking the very first steps to them. He's coming toward them. And as he does that, Peter has a glimpse of Jesus' power, right? He sees, wait, Jesus is calling out. He's saying it's him. If it's him, then the power he's displaying, I can get in on that. And so he makes this bold move. He, he makes this move toward God. He takes a step of faith in response to God's call. Jesus says, come. And so he does. And at this point, this looks like a great victory, Jesus, I mean, Peter is walking on water in the middle of a storm that is battering this boat. And then disaster. Why disaster? Because he began to doubt. Will will God be there with this step? Will he provide what's needed? He was walking on water and then he let the danger of his circumstances derail his progress. And so... Yeah, you you look at that, you said, it's hard to see how this explains how God will provide courage for our steps. Why are we any different than Peter? And the answer is, we're not. But I also want us to realize that our our skepticism to find encouragement from this story, maybe it's it's my skepticism, because I don't think it's just glaringly obvious, right? But I think that skepticism to find encouragement from this story comes because we tend to read these accounts disconnected from the big picture. Now, maybe you're tracking, maybe you already understand this, but, but I think a lot of times we read and, and we just look at these accounts all by themselves and, and we fail to realize the big picture. We, we tend to measure our own lives, right? At the same time, we tend to measure our own lives in terms of individual wins and losses. But we have to remember that the, the gospel writers are not just throwing a collection of stories together. They're not just saying, hey, I'll put that one there and that one there, and I don't really care how they fit together. They're helping us see a bigger picture. And Jesus, in in actually living these things, was not simply reacting to a bunch of random situations in his life and the lives of his followers. There's more going on. You see, this seeming failure was just one step along the journey. It was one small step that Jesus was using to move Peter and the disciples and each of us toward himself. You see, Peter lacked courage that day. There's no doubt. And he lacked courage on the day that Jesus was put on trial. But Jesus wasn't swayed by the ups and downs of Peter's missteps. Okay? Jesus, Peter here doubts Jesus. When Jesus is being put on trial, Peter denies Jesus. But Jesus doesn't abandon him. Peter's missteps don't cause Jesus to leave him behind. Jesus was on a mission and accomplishing that mission involves preparing these disciples, not simply for one night on a lake, but for all the days when he would ask them to move that mission forward when he was gone. Okay. And he would supply what they would need, but he's preparing them for those days. And so three years after he first told Peter and his brother Andrew to put down their fishing nets and follow him, Peter was not the man he had once been. Okay. He was different. And that's because Jesus was using situations like this one on the Sea of Galilee to change Peter. He, it, G, Peter literally followed in Jesus' steps down roads all over the Fertile Crescent, all over Jerusalem and, and, and into these other surrounding areas. And yet, courage to follow Jesus everywhere he'd lead, that didn't happen in an instant. Right? He didn't just get that courage all at once. That courage was developed over the course of 30,000 hours, probably, okay? of, Of time with Jesus, of large lessons and famous failures. That was how Jesus was building courage into Peter. But the same man who lacked courage when facing the wind and waves was described like this when he stood before the storm of accusation. And persecution that we find in Acts chapter 4. Listen to the, the description of Peter. It says, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, you notice the description, bold. Here's Peter, the chicken on the waves, the chicken when confronted by a servant girl at Jesus' trial. And now here he is being described as bold. They call him an untrained, they see him as an untrained man. He wasn't untrained, he was untrained in, in their way of thinking. But he had, just as they noticed, been with Jesus, which meant that Jesus had been training him. He'd been building courage into Peter, into his disciples. And it's the same thing he does with us as He calls us to take steps toward himself. When we give our lives to Jesus and receive his life in return, we are brought from death to life in an instant. In an instant, we are his brothers and sisters, and we have God for our eternal Father. But we also, in that instant, become Jesus' apprentices. We are entering into a training program just like those disciples that we read about here. And while it can be a starting place, Discipleship involves a whole lot more than an hour a week on Sundays, okay? That's important time. It can be a starting point. It is one of those small steps I even talked about last week. But make no mistake, Jesus calls us into a life that is far more than that. To follow Jesus involves many small steps, but there is no greater commitment. There's no greater commitment. It may be small steps, it is a big commitment. We, we shouldn't mistake that. We shouldn't try to make it something it isn't, as if it's just this easy, no big deal kind of thing. I'll take it or leave it. No, when he calls, this is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, when he calls a man, he bids him come and die. We are making a whole life commitment. And along those lines, author G.K. Chesterton famously said that the Christian ideal has not been, found, been tried and found wanting, It has been found difficult and left untried. This is what Peter dealt with in that moment on the sea. This is what he was dealing with. And I think that like Peter, our problem is not that we don't take steps toward God. It's that we glimpse his glory. We we get a, a view of his power. We start to take him at his word. And we begin to follow him. And then somewhere along the way, our eyes move from Jesus to the storm. You see that? We go from following Jesus, and following his steps, doing what he's told us to, just being so aware of the storm. We hear the whispers. The wind is blowing too hard. Those waves are too big. Water doesn't work like this. This path won't hold you. And we wonder, will he provide what's needed if I step there? Will he really be there if I take this step? Those doubts creep in. And at some point, the next step in our training just seems too difficult. And so at some point, following God where he wants to take us by faith is left untried. But while we may be easily diverted, I want us to realize God is not. God is not diverted. I want us to notice two more details that are easy to miss, but we need to remember and not take for granted. Notice this, right? When Peter cried for help, What does Jesus do? He gave Peter his hand, it says in verse 31. He gave him his hand. Why not just zap him back into the boat, right? Like pick him up with his mind powers and, you know, but do something, right? Just move him out of the sea. It's not what he does. He bends down with his feet still on the water. He bends down and he offers Peter his hand and he yanks him out. And then notice, when they get into the boat, it's at that point that the wind stopped. Why why not make the wind stop beforehand? And why not just tell it to stop? Why these little details? Why does it not stop until they get into the boat? I think the answers to those questions find their answer, and we find the answer to those questions in the same reason that Jesus didn't just make people stop being hungry, right? Think about that. He could have just looked at the crowd and gone, all right, I'm just going to you know, magically make their bellies, not grumble. Just put the food in their belly. He, he put a baby in Mary's womb. Right? Instead, what did he do? He made bread and he fed them. And, and, but notice this. Jesus doesn't just make bread. We're told in the Gospel of John that he uses that bread to point to the fact that he is the bread of life. He doesn't just make bread. He is the bread. The point is Him. He's leading us to Himself. And so when the threat of wind comes, He doesn't just provide refuge in the storm. He uses that storm to show Peter, to show the disciples and us that He is the refuge. He's not just providing refuge. He is the refuge. The refuge. I believe God wants us to see here that discipleship is not just a process. It's very personal. God is not just trying to move us somewhere. He's drawing us to himself. His goal is not just to lead us to greater eloquence or better behavior or or more stable emotions. He's leading us to himself. That's the path. Of discipleship. And for each of us, I believe there are steps toward God that we have not taken, but we know He wants us to take. At some point or another, He's made it clear. If you've walked with Him, at some point or another, He's made it clear that He has called us onto the water. And we've been excited. Probably your experience is you've been excited by the prospect, right? You thought, man, I've seen God's power. I want to follow God into this place, this kind of unknown, difficult, seemingly weird place, just like Peter. And maybe even as you saw that step ahead of you, you got out of the boat. But then for one reason or another, the step seemed too scary or too difficult, and it was left untried. And as time has gone on, it didn't seem like a step worth taking anymore. If you are a Christ follower, the Spirit of God lives in you, and He's going to move you toward Himself. He's not going to leave you where you are. So what is your step? We've been talking about this small days challenge, taking steps toward the Lord. And and so maybe your step is to read His Word, To hear his heart for his people. Maybe that's your step is begin to make that a regular practice. Again, four minutes a day, you'll read an hour, you'll read a full day's worth of the Bible in a year. Maybe it's just to step up and read more, to to dive into God's word. It's his word to you, it's his word to us. Maybe your step is spending time in prayer intentionally and with focus to thank Him for His work in and through you and to ask Him to do it more and more. He's leading you toward Himself. Maybe your step is committing to participate in a group where God will teach you as you humbly learn from others and allow them to learn from you. Guys, in part, what I want to ask you to be a part of a group is not just for your sake. Yes, you need to learn. Yes, this is a way in which, not the only way, but it is a prime way in our church where how we want to help each other learn. But you don't just need to be in that group. Other people need you in that group. They need to learn from you. God wants to use you in the lives of other people. You say, ah, I'm not so sure about that. I am. This is the way he works. He, He wants all of us pulling together, helping each other, encouraging each other, building each other up. What is your step? That small step, maybe it's another one. Again, where he's called. you know he's called you to it and you need to take it. That small step may seem like a giant leap, but he will be with you. And here's the thing, if you're not a Christ follower, I want you to know God's heart is the same toward you. He wants you to know him and to follow him. In Christ, he's already stepped towards you and it's his power that makes it possible for you to step toward him. Will you respond to his call to come? Whatever storm you face, however difficult or dangerous following God may seem, Jesus will be there every step of the way. And so we may, may we say with courage, as we follow him, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your mercy faithfulness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, where you lead us, you will supply what we need. And wherever we find our steps, wherever we find ourselves, you are leading us toward yourself. Help us to recognize that. May we take steps towards you even when they're scary or difficult. Help us to recognize that you are building courage into us. And the only way that courage is built is as we follow you where you've called us. Give us peace. Grant us wisdom to know what steps to take. However small they are, Lord, may we take seriously the commitment you have called us to by giving us new life in Christ. And I pray for my friends who may be watching this or listening to this, who have yet to receive new life in Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. They would see you are leading them to yourself. You are the one who will rescue them from danger God, may this be a day of salvation for them as they receive the gift of new life. And lead us, Father, as a church, to help others see just how good it is to be your apprentice, to learn from you and walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day!